Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling, brought to you by Zwift. Find your fun with the cycling app where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, bienvenue. We're in Bath in the pub, uh, one of our favourite spots for the first weekend. Yeah. But we're looking forward enormously to getting out there, following the race, uh, flying out on Tuesday. We're going to be bringing you the Bradley Wiggins Show like never before. From France. From France almost every day. Direct en France. Um, And what else are you going to be doing? Aqua aerobics in the morning. Apart from the aqua aerobics in the morning. I'm on the motorbike. I'm <laughs> back, on the on, motorbike. back on our screens, on the motorbike, on Eurosport and GCM+. Bernie, Plus. I've left it in the capable hands of Bernard Eisel at the moment. Um, but yeah, we'll be back for the final two weeks. I'll be on the bike out there. Yeah, bringing it to you live, direct. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you. Let's get into it, though. Uh, and what a dramatic, as dramatic a first stage as you could have hoped for. Not always necessarily in, in the right way, either. No, but I think it's become um, a, the, the norm at the Tour de France. The first week is always very nervous. The first stage is always very nervous, particularly when they're in Brittany. You know, it's, it's, it's narrow roads, um, up and down, twisty, turny, lots of spectators as well, which was, I think was the main cause of a lot of the problems today. But mm. what a finish to the race with Philippe! All the spectacle during the race of the crashes, you know, it wasn't entertaining, I wouldn't say. It was quite horrible to watch at times. But um, yeah, it's given us plenty to talk about. Indeed. Julian Alaphilippe, congratulations to him, the first yellow jersey of this year's, of this year's tour. Well, he was, my, he was my pick as well. Is that right? So, yeah, we're, we're, we're one for one so far. Right. I didn't pick anyone today. You didn't? No, not interested in picking people out. Well, Mathieu van der Poel was the favourite, um, but he didn't seem to be interested in that, in contesting the sprint on that final climb. No, I mean, with a... Everyone sort of looked mm. to van der Poel. Um, to take it up after Alaphilippe yeah. burst off the front with two kilometres to go. That, that, in the end, was the winning move from Julien. I mean, I wasn't really watching Van der Poel. There was so much going on. Obviously, Pogacar sort of did a sort of attack and then Rolic went across to him. And meanwhile, Julien Alaphilippe was off the front. There was someone in between, wasn't there? There was a rider, a French rider. Um, so much going on. And I was trying to look out for Geraint Thomas, actually, who finished 10th mm. on the stage. Yes. Um, but yeah, but so much... So much drama today, and obviously the big crash with what, five six k to go was it? Six, big... six kilometers to go. Yeah. absolutely huge. I was still trying to get my head up. around that and what had happened and who was there. Um, and then obviously the shots of Froome getting back on his bike was watching that. It was it was just carnage. There yeah. was so much going on, so much to watch. I was watching with Sean Kelly actually that last ten k, and Sean said that he was certain there was going to be a second crash. Yeah, yeah, it was looking that way. Um, with the, I mean, and the way he explained it was. You've got so many riders looking to position themselves going into that last climb yeah. with three kilometers to go. Um, and there were so many nerves already in the peloton there, having already been... I mean, we saw the first crash of the day after five kilometers. Yeah. It was only a small one. Second crash of the day with 40 kilometers to go. Absolutely huge. Um, so the, the spectator 
standing, looking at the camera, not looking at the riders. They had made their way into the road, yeah, yeah. Um, holding a sign, and it was Tony Martin, um, Jumbo Visma's yeah. road captain, who collided with the sign, and that just caused absolute yeah. carnage behind him. What an absolute <laughs> she is. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I'm know, sure it wasn't intentional, but they've not... I don't give a f what it was. She's an absolute... I mean, it, she's caused murder today in the Tour de France. People have put their putting livelihoods on the line. We've lost a rider from that crash. She's had to abandon, unfortunately. You know, Tony Martin went down. I mean, this is, this is people's livelihoods. People have trained all year for this. You know, a very difficult year as well, don't forget. And um, a lot's at stake. It's the Tour de France. Yasha, Yasha Suterlin from yeah. DSM. Um, you so know, crashing in like the crash at six k to go is a race crash. That's that happens. I mean, it's it's murder. You, you know, she won't even watch the race. She won't even watch the race. You do I mean, it just infuriates me. I mean, they're just assholes of the highest order. And like, piss off somewhere else. Go and watch tennis or golf. They're going to do that. If it's you, not an opportunity to get on telly and flash a sign that you've written on the back of a toilet roll cardboard bloody box. Well, they've, they've got what they wanted because they've got on TV, but they've achieved yeah. notoriety. Yeah. I mean, they're all over social media. Um, we've oh, seen I mean, Fred Wright. I bet everyone's over social media. Let's not worry about social media. Social media is a, yeah, a devil's window. But yeah, it's, it's just, you know, we're watching the bike race in here. You know, we've lost riders in the race. There was a mass pile up. And it's just, um, it's just horrible to watch. It was horrible, you know. And, and if, if someone did that on the roadside in public with a cyclist riding down the road, they'd be thrown in prison. You'd be arrested, yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's you know, there's only one way to stand down on it, and it's, you know... Yeah. I, I get the feeling that you're... Um, Not very attitude, happy about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, your attitude towards this is reflected in the peloton as yeah. well. So we've already seen, to, to just dwell on social media briefly, we've already seen Luke Rowe and Fred Wright come out this evening and say what have they said yes well yeah. not in quite so strong terms but um that, that this person is an idiot yeah exactly it is it's that you know and it's um i mean what possible motivation do you have to to, to try and get on telly but i think it said alley poo poo or something like that on it you know some sort of reference to a family to, member or friend you know or to polydor but what so you can get back on youtube and rewind it and record it and, you know you're there at the tour de france watch these guys go past they're like the world's best cyclists and you know the, world, the world's best cyclists who have all, well, all it's a few. They're livelihoods. It's a livelihoods, but they've also, it's the, it's the pinnacle of their season. Listen, they've all trained for this. We sat here last world... year talking about, um, you know, Groenewegen and all these with that sprint in Poland and how dangerous it was. You know, the death threats he got for causing that. People have got, Tony Martin whacked his head off the floor. Mm. You know, I was surprised that he got up and carried on, actually. You know, we're so talking his, his bang yeah. was so bad. Yeah, we talk about downhill sprints and the dangers that are caused to the cyclists. Um, Gronovagen getting death threats that he nearly killed this, you know, Jakobsen and all this. And we've got this happen today. And it will just excuse it and it'll happen again at some point, I'm sure. Terrible. And the organisers need to take responsibility for that a little bit more. Well, this is what I was coming to. Do you feel like the organisers could have done more? Because, I mean, we're talking about public roads. There's only so much you can do. It's not like with a stadium well, where you can search bags and you, and you can profile people on cameras. Barry, barry the course where there's going to likely to be more spectators on roads that, that width. I don't know. More marshals, yeah. more, yeah. Of a, more, of police, more of a police presence. Arrest the spectator. Yeah. I mean, but this it, is nothing new to the Tour de France. This has happened for years and years, hasn't it? it well, of, of course. And they are part of the race. Spectators are part of the race. So, and it's part of the spectacle as well. Yeah. It's what I mean, makes we, this sport we, we've so seen, beautiful. We've seen Eno get off yeah. the bike and punch people. But it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Um, as Roy Keane would say. What else could you do as a rider? Is it an educational thing? You, you, can't, you can't be expected to, every time you, you're, that, you're that close to... When you've got the... The peloton spread out across the road like that. You can't be expected to take it on the rider's shoulders to be able to be aware 100% of the time no. and avoid it. 
So is it an educational thing where you're asking the public to... It's not an educational thing. It's not. I mean, it's just incompetence of the highest order. You know, you've got 200 cyclists riding down the road. You know, what, what positions you to stand out in the road with a sign looking the opposite way to what they're coming? You wouldn't do that on a train platform, would you? No, of course not. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. For, for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. And for obvious reasons in a cycle race. I mean, it's nothing to do with educate. If you have to educate someone about the dangers of a cycling pack herring along in the Tour de France, while you step out to try and get on telly, look in the opposite way, then they ain't worth bothering with. To bring it back... To <laughs> hey, can you sit down? Can I just educate you on the, the dangers of looking the opposite way to a 200 cyclists herring down the road at 40 mile an hour? I mean, f***ing hell, Graham. Let's not, <laughs> let's, not, let's not butter this up and say... Is this an education? Is this about informing people more what needs to be done? No. <laughs> morons. And they exist in the world. Good. The world is good a beautiful to, place. Good, it's just full of... Clear, good to clear that up. Thank you, Brad. I'm going to put it, pull it back to that final climb in those last three kilometres. Um, specifically, how the race was won. Here is how Rob Hatch called it for us on Eurosport and GCN+. Have we ever seen a start to a Tour de France like this? It's been certainly a long time since we had. If so and Julien Alaphilippe is going to show off the rainbow bands at the Tour. He laid it all on the line, going with a long way to go. More than two kilometres, remember. But Julien Alaphilippe is going to please those local fans. They bang on the boards. Their hero is here, and he can see the finish line ahead. A look around, and he is going to do it. You better believe it now, Julien. Starting the tour in the rainbow jersey, but can he finish it in yellow? The expectation will rise. He's done it. He's pulled it off. France has its hero back. And Julien Alaphilippe proving once again that yellow is his favourite colour of the rainbow. <laughs> Brad, a sensational finish. Although not in well, am barely, I right or am I wrong, Graham? You are absolutely right. <laughs> but I'm going to pull. I am going to pull it back to the action that, that happened at the finish here. Alaphilippe called it exactly right. He played it brilliantly from a tactical point of view, knowing that, well, probably knowing that he wouldn't be able to outgun Matthew van der Poel if it came down to yeah. mano on mano. Um, well, I mean, I sat there with Dan Lloyd at the finish and watched it and said to him, um, it's kind of boring watching Alaphilippe win like that, but not boring in a sporting sense because what he did was spectacular. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was, it was a demonstration, really, of... of of how kids should watch bike racing and attack. And he attacked from second wheel with over two kilometers to go. I mean, talk about in the world champions jersey in France as the favorite. The course was designed for him. Can't overemphasize just how good it was what he did. Um, having said that, and rode the best cyclists off his wheel in the world. The likes of Pogacar, these guys. When you say all of that as well, so world champions jersey, course designed for him. He's going for yellow. He's a so, Frenchman yeah. in France, in the uh, Tour de France. There's a lot of pressure that comes And he does that. it. He did it two years ago on the Tour de France on stage three. Um, he's, he's, it's predictable what he's going to do. You know, Julien wins in one way and wins like that. But when he does it, no one still can respond. And it's phenomenal what he but does. You had, you had plenty of riders behind who could respond. So you had Roglic and Pogacar, who it looked like refused to help each other. You had Sonny Cobrelli, who we know can win uh, against the best in the world. We've seen him do it at the Dauphiné when, uh, when it goes uphill towards the finish. Yeah. You had Wout van Aert and Matthew van der Poel, as we mentioned. Van der Poel just seemed to, it seemed like he wasn't interested. Um, and everyone else was sort of looking at van der Poel going, well, go on then, you, you go and do your thing and we'll follow you. Yeah, well, the expectation was on him. But once Julian had that gap, um, 
the speed he's riding at is very difficult to close. And we saw that. And, and then there's a hesitation, of course. You've got the GC guy. What was strange was Pogacar and Rolic. Rolic was straight onto Pogacar when he attacked mm. and almost nullified the attack rather than trying to push home. It was a sh lots, lots of dynamics going, lots of things going on. And all of that meant Bling Matthews finished second with, yeah. with Roglic third. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice surprise for, for Michael Matthews. So he'll be in the green jersey tomorrow. I don't know if anyone would have tipped him to win that, but obviously it's a good Michael Matthews finish. But to be up there still at that, mm. that late stage... Was, in, that, in that company as well. Yeah, Geraint was 10th. That yes. was the one I was keeping my eye on most. I was trying to spot him out there, make sure he didn't have any problems. Yeah, so as far as GC are concerned, the, the big winners today are Roglic, Pogacar, who finished in the top 10 too, and Thomas, who, like you say, finished 10th. Alaphilippe was actually caught up in that second, or that second big crash um, within the final 10K. And he said, I was caught in a crash, but I made it back without panicking. We had to get rid of the sprinters to cap it off. When I realized I got a bit of a gap and everyone was flat out, I gave it all. The pain was horrible, but I'm so happy to win. The emotion is big every time. Well, we, saw, we really saw him bury himself as well, didn't we? I mean, he was, at points yeah. he was shaking his head and we were sort of going, well, why is he shaking his head? Because he's, he's clearly got this. There's enough of a gap now that he's fine. But, but Yeah, I mean, he did the same last year, didn't he? Yeah. Coldez. That's what I mean by it being predictable because mm. when he wins, he wins in that way. He doesn't, um, he doesn't try and, he doesn't leave it later. And he's certainly always the first to go and lay it on the line. Um, so he must have his supreme confidence in himself and when he does it. I should also mention Jack Haig, Bahrain, finishing fourth. And David Godu finishing in seventh. So they've both kept themselves out of trouble. They're the, the other big winners from, the, from a GC point of view today, if you like. Yeah. Ineos, not such a good day for them. Um, for, well, for, for two big reasons. Richie Port lost two minutes and 16 seconds. Teo lost five minutes, 33. Yeah. Sean Kelly saying he's, he's lost a quarter of a stage already. Um, even Richard yeah. Carapaz has lost 13 seconds there today. So Thomas is the only one who's really kept himself out of trouble. Yeah. The road will decide is, is apparently Enios's motto yeah, for, for think, how it I think all... Geraint, that, I mean, that suits him today. You know, him and Luke Rowe were always in the front there. Them two are the masters at riding on stages like that and staying out of trouble. When Geraint won the tour, you know, he won it in the first 10 days, in my view, because of, of his ability to ride always in the first 10, particularly with Luke Rowe. And they're so wily and good in a pack like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think that um, they're the kind of things that hamper the main GC guys is stages like that because these are tougher to get through. You've got to get to the mountains. And that's, that's why Richie Port has always struggled in the past is coming back from big deficits because of, um, because of the severity of these type of stages. I mean, this is a very similar stage to the one I crashed on mm. in 2011 um, up in Brittany, Normandy, all those stages. We had a stage in, uh, in 2012 up around Dunkirk when um, Sitsov crashed on a very similar thing, broke his leg. So these are the most nervous stages for the GC guys. Um, and if and today's anything to go by, I think tomorrow's going to be even worse. Well, so, so it's another lumpy stage tomorrow, as, as you say. We had six categorized climbs today. We'll have another six tomorrow. So it's a really, um, you're, you're right into it with a bump. For a, a Grand Tour parkours, or particularly for a Tour de France parkours, the first week is particularly unusual. Yeah. And you, so you've got... These four stages in Brittany, when it was supposed to be Copenhagen as, as the grand apart, then you've got the time trial, so the, an, an early time trial for, for presumably for Thomas, actually. To, well, I think Wales have just gone close in the football. Thomas, do we expect to see him in the yellow jersey by the end of the week if the time trial goes well? Because to my mind, yeah. on, a flat, on a flat course, so. it, favors, it surely favours him. So Absolutely, yeah. He's, he's lost very little today. Mm. Roglic is presumably also going to be looking at that and thinking, well, that favours me more than it favours Pogacar. Yeah, 
only finished third in his national championships TT. Um, so again, does he have the form for it? Does the course suit him quite like it suits Thomas and Roglic? I don't think it does. No, but th there's a lot to get through before then. Yeah. I think tomorrow, you know, Murder Britannia, very similar roads, narrow. There's going to be one hell of a fight into that climb. You can imagine what everyone's feeling today after today. You know, Director Sportives in the meetings tomorrow, you know, talking about staying in the front. Um, remember what happened yesterday. There's going to be more nervousness in the peloton tomorrow. And um, a lot of tired bodies, a lot of aching bodies from the people that have crashed. There's going to be a lot more nerves tomorrow as well, because today yeah. felt like a very nervous day. Yeah, it'll be even worse tomorrow now after today. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just think this is, it's great for us as viewers so to watch it, talking about it, but not the best ones to ride, and certainly not the best ones to ride when the crashes happen in the manner they did today, certainly the first one. The Bradley Wiggins Show is brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast, but also unlocks performance. Brad, we use it in slightly different ways, well, very different ways. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of, of trying to beat my mates, not always successfully, as, as my mates Stephen and David will, will tell you. Uh, Ooh, Stephen and David. You're more of a fan of riding with your son. You ain't got any friends. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen and David, are they real people? <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> Well, they both use Zwift. You couldn't have more generic names. <laughs> Who do you ride Zwift with? Brad? My son, Ben. Yeah, we ride a little bit together on it. Um, I also done a fair bit with um, Lecole Cycling Club that have I've taken Zwift classes, so I'm on their platform and people can go into that. And I'm actually taking the class like a spin class, so it's very good. And we do all different sessions on there, and it's really good. It's competitive for you. It's competitive for me. G's training plan: fun is flying uphill. Garrett Thomas, of course, it's a workout that focuses on improving your muscular endurance. Uh, of course, a pillar of any great time trialist, mountain climber or stage racer uh, to help you deal with hard surges and improve your ability to fly uphill. As a, as a man who's tackled many a mountain, is it, is it something that you feel would benefit you even as a, if, if you were still a pro? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Geraint's testament to that, you know, just being able to get on there and, you know, depths of winter, January, February time, you know, the likes of Peter Sagan are on it and a few others. And, you know, just Geraint could be back in Wales and riding with Peter Sagan. It's, it's, um, it's great, and obviously you can't always get on the roads because it's icy and, and bad weather. But it's just so you know, so inclusive. And like I say, my son has been on it at times when Sagan's on it, and I've been on it when G's been on it. And it's um, it's just it's a great world you know worldwide inclusive training tool. There's an awful lot to explore on there as well. Um, on the internet, well, <laughs> on Zwift specifically. On Zwift specifically. Even, even if your mates aren't on there, or as you say, if, you, if, you're, like, if you're like me and you don't have <laughs> what if any Justin mates. Dave aren't on it? Um, there are, of course, group rides. There's a huge community uh, of both pros and amateur riders on there. From the 16th of July, there will be stages from this year's Tour de France on there. Plus, there will be Mercury Islands uh, with a Japanese feel. So even though geared up for the Olympics. A lot, well, a lot of fans won't be out there. Uh, yeah. A lot of people who would like to be out there, but they can feel like they are um, on Zwift. Yeah, and then I believe there's a free seven-day trial, isn't there, Graham? Absolutely right to point that out. There's a seven-day free trial, a special offer. Find out more on the app. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show. Brad, two world-class races today, not just yep. stage one of the Tour, uh, but La Course yes. by the Tour de France Absolutely. this morning. One in some style by Demi Vollering, beating the superstar of the women's peloton, Marianne Voss, and a host of other world-class riders in that final sprint. Again, uh, a sprint to the line, rising with a group of eight this time um, to win the final edition of mm. La Course. Anna van der Breggen worked hard for her SD Works teammate, 
um, to lead her out. She, so she's retiring at the end of the season. Yeah. It might have been a race that we would have expected to see Anna van der Breggen going for herself. Um, but she's, she's pass, passing the torch, um, well, in some style, and passing it before she bows out. Yeah, it's incredible that she's, um, even in her last year, considering how dominant she's been in the past, that she's um, not, not trying to win everything herself and that she's willing to... She's almost playing that DS role on the road, almost handing the baton to her younger teammates and um, it shows the quality of her. It was an early start for the women's peloton yeah. this morning. Um, not helped for some of the teams being as, as much, we understand, as an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, and having to pay for their own hotels. Yeah, from what I understand, all of us telling me that the limited numbers of hotels within the area, because all the men's races, mm. obviously they're there and spectators and things, that women, some of the women's teams were up to an hour and a half away um, just to find a hotel for the night, which they obviously had to cover the cost for themselves. So it just shows, we talk about the equality and it's a bit disproportionate, isn't it still? It's still a long way to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, we should also mention Cecily Utrup Ludwig, who came in second today um, in the sprint to the line. She almost caught Vollering. Um, but she did very well to pip Voss. Um, the other thing, looking at looking at it there, with Van der Breggen, um, Vollering and Voss, I mean, that's a hell of a Dutch team for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, quite something, isn't it? And, um, you know, it's funny, we were, already, we were talking about the Olympics already with the men's race today, but the women's is, is, is the same, really. It's, um, it's almost a prelude to the, to the Olympic Games because the road race is obviously key for a lot of people. Lots of people preparing at these races, not just the men's race, but the women's race as well for the, for the Olympic road race, which... It's a year later than, than, it, than it should have been, but um, it's always the same Olympic year. The, the Tour de France and the La Corse and this is almost the sort of warm-up races to the, tour, to the Olympics, which is a huge race for a lot of people. And for other riders, it's not, it's not on, even on the radar. It's not of interest. So um, someone like Julien Alaphilippe, it's, you can imagine it's really on his radar because it's quite hilly, the Olympic road race. Well, Simon Yates has said he's stage hunting at the Tour uh, before going on to the road race. Van der Poel, we know, is targeting the mountain bike gold medal. Do we expect to see the riders who are targeting the Olympics because they're so close? There's su su such little time between the two. Do we expect to see them dropping out of the tour? Maybe, Or yeah. is finishing the yeah. tour just as important and so they will try and yeah. do both? I think it's different for every rider. Some riders will prefer to stay on the race and race. And as I say, that just differs for every rider, really. I think um, someone like Caleb Ewan, I don't think he's doing the Olympic road race, but there's, there's talk of him maybe dropping out the race mm. for trying to win a stage in every Grand Tour this year. That's, um, yeah, that's Ewan's goal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, can we touch on the sprinters briefly, actually? And we, I mean, we should say a, a huge welcome back to, to the race to Mark Cavendish. Absolutely. Yeah. Good old Mark. Shades of um, last year at Game Weather again when we watched him cry at the finish and wondering whether he'll ever race again. We certainly didn't imagine he'd be at the Tour de France, but well, I messaged say, him during the week. I spoke to him and um, said it never in doubt. You know, that's all I said to him. Absolute fairy tale return for him. I mean, he said, you say never in doubt, but it, it, he said even this time a week ago, after what he's been through with, with Epstein-Barr, and, and we know he suffered from depression as well, that he never even dared to hope um, until he got the call, yeah. um, largely because of Sam Bennett's absence. Yeah, but also, let's not take away from Mark. I mean, I think what, put the, you know, what, what, what sealed the deal was when he won the last stage of the Tour of Belgium. Yes. And um, he did a great job there for Remco Everdepol as well from the GC point of view, but Mark really impressed there. And he won a sprint, which obviously contained the likes of Caleb, Ewan, and, and the like. There were four stage wins at the and Giro I think that, in that's that sprint. that's what swayed it for him, really, is showing that he can compete on the highest level still. Yeah. The very highest level. With so he, in, front, in front of a, a Belgium audience with Patrick Lefebvre there. And beating Tim Merlier, um, like you say, beating Caleb Ewan, beating Giacomo Nizzolo. And that's it, it, give us all hope 
and no knowledge that, that I actually think he can win a stage here, yeah. given a straight shot at it, because he's proved he's still, on his day, one of, if not the fastest man in the world. Well, he's there on merit too. So, so five wins. Yeah. Like you say, he's not he's... just there because he's won a couple of races in, you know, Tupney Apenny races. He's, that, I think that's what sealed the deal. He proved early season in um, Tour of Turkey. Tour, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, he, so, he won four, so he won four, four stages, stages of the Tour of Turkey, Turkey yeah. Um, and obviously that was we kind of, when he won the four stages of the Tour of Turkey earlier the year, that was kind of a, a return to Mark winning ways and dominance as well. But, you know, I know how hard he's worked in between there. And he's never given up hope of riding the Tour de France and never given up. He's never, what he's never done is he's never given up how he applies himself to his trade. And, and I think that, you know, Mark takes a lot of stick. But people need to now sort of bow down to this man a little bit more and say, you know, look, he's a real deal. And he earned, he's, earned his, he's earned his stripes over the years. And, you know, he's grafts his arse off, spends weeks and weeks and weeks away from his lovely family. And he's got selected for the Tour de France. And Mark is part of the fabric of the Tour de France and deserves to be there. He needs to be there. The race needs him. And it's just a breath of fresh air having him back. Is he going to be looking at stages three and four before the first time trial? Then you've got another sprint stage. I think so, yeah. Mark will, you know, Mark, I, I watched him earlier in that um, intermediate sprint today. And he was just in the back there, just, just feeling his legs. He won't be going yeah. for green, I won't imagine. He'll want to win a stage win. That'll be what a, what a finish that would be. And um, will, will going for a stage win earlier in the race suit him better than later in the race? Well, I think when the opportunity arises, I don't think it matters really. Is he is he going to get over the mountains? Really, is in in, in I good think form? this year more than ever. I think he will. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Mark's in great shape. That's why he's here. Let's not forget. This isn't a, a gift. He's earned this position. Cav, we saw posted in the week uh, the Anakin Skywalker meme about him going or not going for Eddie Merckx's record of 34 stage wins yeah. at the Tour. Uh, I mean, even now I'm talking about it, even by talking about Cav posting about it. Uh, well, I'll tell you what that is, because Mark, I talk about this Mark, with Mark regularly. It's, it's journalists, right? Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> journalists, right? What you go from one extreme to the other, you know, is this the end of the career of Mark last year? Is he going to get a team? Will he ever be? Is he, he's not as fast as he used to be. So Mark winning races, which should be celebrated in itself. Mark making the Tour de France team, which is great. Mark back on the race. Can he win another stage in the Tour de France? Make, what is it, 31 stages? He's on 30. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so make 31 stages if he wins another yeah, stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. which should be celebrated in its own right. Let alone the fact when he retires, his 30 stage wins should be tattooed on someone's back because that's immense in itself. F Eddie Merckx. Eddie Merckx is beyond, you know, Merckx is the greatest of all time. I don't mean Eddie Merckx personally. I mean, you know, he's... I wouldn't but want to you be mean the record doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean just like let's you know, Merckx is in his own world. He's he's on another dimension. He's yeah. like Muhammad Ali is in that. You know, there's no one better than Eddie Merckx. And never should be. Never will be. So it doesn't. It's not about him beating Eddie Merckx's record. It's about Mark Cavendish getting 31 stage wins, and we should celebrate that. And journalists should celebrate that. Not, you know, it's always this same rhetoric. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to go for the record of Merckx. What about Mark being back at the tour for starters? Well done, Mark. Congratulations. And then, Mark, if you win a stage, what a great way that is to come back from what you've been through. It's always the same. Celebrate what he has done and what he could do. Not, yeah, but he didn't beat the Merck's record. <laughs> Who is going to beat the Merck's record? The fact he's got close should be celebrated. Yeah, but that's journalists for you. The Half fact, the fact that he's got about. close. Half of them don't know what they're talking about, Graham. There's way too many journalists on the tour. The fact that he's got close only... Only with sprint stages open to him. Merck's, half of Merck's wins for time trials. Merck's is Merck's. There is, you shouldn't draw a comparison. There's no one like him. Mark's a different right. Mark's the greatest sprinter of all time. And that is that. Eddie is the greatest cyclist of all time. Yeah? The rest doesn't matter. 
he is, as you say, a legend in his own right. Um, not a contender for green. I'll tell you what, put it this way. Will another sprinter ever try and beat the record of Mark Cavendish? That's what we should be saying. Well, his longevity as well. I mean, that, that would, that's one thing I don't think you'll see for, from a Will from we another see another sprinter. sprinter get the same amount of stages as Mark Cavendish? Will Absolutely someone not. ever beat Mark Cavendish's record? It's not about Eddie Merckx, it's about Mark Cavendish. But that is also the, that's something that's almost always only appreciated after you retire. Well, it shouldn't be. Why should it be? Celebrate my career, because when he's gone, you know, the sport will be lesser for it. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift. Explore, train, and compete on the cycling app where fun is fast. Unless you've got no brakes, it's terrifying. It can be. Thank you, Brad, uh, for all of your thoughts today. If you want to get in touch uh, with me or Brad, ask us a question, share your thoughts. You can get in touch with you on social at... Rate us, date us, and make us. So we go. Also, uh, you can get in touch with me at Graham Wilgos. Don't get in touch with Graham. You can follow. He's nothing. He's just a. He's just a donkey. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks to our producer Pete Burton. Pete Burton, sponsored by Gant. Finally, from me, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and rate us, Brad. Until tomorrow. See you then. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.